It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And, of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We've changed the way we do our podcast. That means we're recording it remotely from our homes, but we've also changed what we're talking about in the podcast, since we've always prided ourselves on providing guidance on things to do in and around Atlanta, and because most venues, theaters, and attractions are closed, we're going indoors, and in some cases where it's practical, outdoors to places where it's easy to practice social distancing. Are the birds a little louder lately? It sometimes seems that way, but it's far more likely that the world has slowed down and become a bit quieter. And it just might be that we're spending more time outside. If you're among those spending more time outside, you're not alone. The birds have been there all along, but the number of people who are watching them and listening for them seems to be on the upswing. Here to talk about that and to bring us some tips on how to get started bird watching is the AJC's Bo Emerson. Welcome. Thank you, Shane. So, um, you know, we we've talked about how it kind of seems like uh, there are more birds around, or they're they're louder, or you can just hear them better. Um, but uh, you you went and uh, talked with someone who uh, could answer some questions about the birds, right? Yes, actually, I talked with a couple of different birders, and they say that uh, they are definitely getting more requests. Uh, the people are seeking more advice. Um, the um, and the unfortunately, uh, the the folks at Atlanta Audubon who lead folks on birding expeditions have uh, have postponed those for now because they are not. Uh, gathering in groups, but they do actually uh, broadcast a Zoom uh, birding experience where they send some of their folks out to various places uh, around the metro area, and you can watch and uh, listen to them online as they actually discover birds, and they let you listen to those birds, too. Cool. So, so basically, it's it's teaching people what to what to look for, what to listen for. Exactly. And in fact, listening is the sort of the the way to start to a certain extent. 
Um, the uh, which is good for a podcast, isn't it? Um, right. <laughs> so the, the uh, uh, and and one of the fellows I spoke with uh, is a head of conservation uh, at Atlanta Audubon. His name is Adam Betchel, and he uh, we sat outside his uh, apartment, which is right off of the perimeter, um, uh, just uh, uh, just off Buford Highway, and in other words, not. Uh, a particularly bucolic uh, rural setting, but as we sat out there, he noted uh, one after the other of a different bird call that we could hear, and some of them were may well have even been audible on the tape that we were running. Plus, he also played a couple of uh, calls for us so that uh, we would be able to actually hear them in, in a little bit higher resolution and said, okay, this is uh, this is a morning dove or this is a, a tohi. And it was uh, it was a great way to um, to give you a sense of once you once you hear the bird and you know what it is, you can look around and find it. And then you've got yourself an identification. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I have to, so um, I guess the the folks have, who are who have been doing this for a long time have noticed uh, an uptick in the interest in in doing this and they've had people contact them about it yes they have and uh you'll note that incident in central park where there was a a bit of a conflict between a birder and uh a woman who did not want to put her dog on leash um uh kind of gives us the uh, uh, the signal that there are birders out there and they're making themselves known. And in fact, there's good reason that this fellow wanted her to put her dog on leash because there are plenty of birds that nest in the ground and uh, they are uh, flushed away and unable to be observed if, uh, if dogs are running about. But that, that, that being said, it's, um, there's, there's plenty of places to watch birds without having to get into conflict with anybody, including in your own backyard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where I've noticed, you know, just being out in the backyard, I've noticed um, it seems louder. And I live I live a stone's throw from the perimeter as well. And, you know, on in, in normal times, the, the traffic on 285 sort of drowns out everything, it seems. But you know, uh, it, it's it's picking back up, but but for a while there, it seemed like everything was so much quieter, and you could hear the birds so much better. Well, there was a report that you could hear birds on Times Square that you'd never heard before. So um, it's it's a lot quieter everywhere. Of course, it's picking back up again, but people have been spending so much time in their yards and outdoors and on and parks and uh, that. Uh, I think naturally they've gotten a little bit more curious about this. Right. So, yeah, something something that's been learned and, and um, you know, fascination has has come from from all of this time spent outdoors. I guess it, you know, it probably won't go away. They'll just keep at it. Well, and by the way, we are sort of at the tail end of the uh, migration uh, period where uh, birds are coming through. Uh, and heading uh, back north, I guess. Um, the, um, uh, so b- sort of uh, by the beginning of June, you're, uh, most, of those, uh, most of those birds have already passed through Georgia, but there are plenty of species that are right here uh, all the time. And also uh, right around now is when birds are nesting. So they're, they're, they're involved in all kinds of activities that make them more 
apparent and uh, easier to find. So it's also, it's a good time to, uh, to start, um, uh, if you're interested in birds, it's a good time to start looking at them. Cool. Well, that's great. Well, well, thanks so much for uh, you know looking into this for us and uh, you know bringing us some more info. And uh, so, who who exactly did you talk to that we're going to hear from here? Well, I spoke uh, with Adam Betchwell, who is a head of conservation at um, uh, Atlanta Audubon, and uh, he uh, uh, and some of the other folks at Audubon talked to me a, a little bit about. Uh, how to get started, and so you'll hear from uh, Adam, and um, uh, and you'll also hear uh, from some of his uh, some of the recordings of birds uh, that he's made, and also uh, you'll hear some of the birds that were just happened to be passing by, including a red-tailed hawk, while we were uh, sitting around outside chatting. Great. All right. Well, terrific. Well, thanks so much, Bo. Well, thank you, Shane. All right, let's uh, hear from uh, uh, Bo's conversation about birds. My name is Adam Betchwell, and I'm the conservation director for the Atlanta Audubon Society. And kind of broadly speaking, I'm just trying to make Atlanta a more bird-friendly place through reducing threats to birds, uh, educating the public about birds, and then doing some research uh, mixed in there as well. And that includes birding. Yes, absolutely. Uh, birding is, is you know, one of the most popular hobbies that we have in the United States. There's over 40 million people who consider themselves bird watchers, whether that is someone looking at their feeder out back or traveling, you know, hundreds of miles uh, or to different countries to look for birds. So a big portion of my job is just the bird watching hobby and engaging with people around our shared love of birds. So with the shutdown, are we in a little renaissance of birding right now? That's what it seems like. It seems like a lot of people who maybe didn't know much about what's going on outside or didn't know about the, the songs and calls that they're hearing are starting to pay more attention. I think when this COVID outbreak started, there was a lot of encouragement of getting outside and you know getting that fresh air, still exercising, and and maybe slowing down a little bit uh, with people having to adjust to this new this new world. And and birding seems to be one of those hobbies that people are, are picking up now that they're spending more time uh, in their yard. And now I will point out that we're spending time in your yard, <laughs> and we can hear some sort of creature up there. Who are we listening to? Yeah, right now we hear an American Robin. Um, that's one of the common birds that we have here. And, and again, I live right uh, ITP in the perimeter in, in Brookhaven. And on my little apartment complex property, I've had almost 80 different species of birds since I've lived here, a little over four years, and 60 some species just since uh, the COVID shutdown. We're now hearing the nice song of a house finch. Um, some people call those Hollywood finches. They're kind of a cool bird that is native to the Western United States. Sorry, not to interrupt my own self, but we just heard a chimney swift as well, which is uh, the focal species of conservation concern uh, with us here at Atlanta Audubon. So the American robin, the chimney swift, the house finch. Uh, with my story from the house finch, they're a West Coast bird that was introduced to New York City in the 40s. They failed as a cage bird and they were uh, released and now they've taken over, not taken over, they've spread to inhabit pretty much our entire, our entire country. So. What about that little cheep cheep we just heard? That, that's a separate noise also of the American robin. So those are both kind of what we would call calls. Um, birds have, or depending on the bird, there's a whole bunch of different vocalizations they can make uh, for different purposes. And those are different calls. They're normally simpler. They're more of some sort of, you know, hey, I'm here. Or the one that we heard earlier is almost more of a, an alert uh, or an alarm call that we hear a lot. Robins have a, a very musical, beautiful song. 
uh, which is used to attract mates or to defend a territory. And so neither of those Robin calls were their more eloquent song, but rather a call. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, people are learning now about birding is that you're listening as much as looking. Yeah, and that comes, it comes with time. So it's a great, I mean, everyone should should learn those songs as soon as they can, but I think the average trajectory of a bird watcher is they notice them with their eyes. They get out there looking for those field marks, whether it be obvious or obvious plumage characteristics or wing bars, which are the, you know, the names for the little stripes on the wings or an eye ring or some sort of obvious plumage characteristic. And then after you spend some time looking at the birds, you realize that it's easier often to hear them. Um, but that comes uh, with a learning curve. It takes some time. But yeah, that, you know, there's frequent times like right now we're talking and I picked up those birds. I'll walk through the woods and, you know, barely have to lift my binoculars and pick up 30, 40, 50 species, depending on the day. So knowing their vocalizations is, is crucial uh, for really upping your game as a bird watcher. And you picked up a new species today. I did, even though I did hear it, but not at first. Um, this morning I saw a Connecticut warbler. That is a, it was my second one I've ever seen in my life. So I'm 35, I started birding at 16. So most of my life now I've been a bird watcher. It's only the second one that I've encountered and the first one that I've seen in Georgia since relocating here around five years ago. It's a, a warbler that's migrating through. It does not breed or overwinter in Georgia. It's just a transient bird. They're often quiet. They love to skulk in kind of dark, dense thickets. And because of that, they're hard, hard to locate. And uh, some other birders uh, located it at Henderson Park in Tucker uh, yesterday. And I went off the basis of the report and was lucky enough to have it for a little bit. So is this another uh, notch on your life list, except it's just a Georgia list this time? Yeah, I, I'm a bit uh, maybe detailed or, or neurotic with my birding and, and many of us bird watchers are. Um, so I do have a life list. So for those uninitiated, a life list is just uh, every bird that you've ever seen uh, during, your, during your bird watching. And so for me, I've been lucky enough to travel throughout the Americas and my life list is just a little over 1200 species. Um, and so because I lived in the Eastern United States for most of my life, there, there are no regularly occurring birds that I can get in Georgia that are new to me for my life list. And so I've kind of zoomed in a little bit to Georgia. So there's lots of exciting birds here in Georgia and, and there are still a few I can pick up including this Connecticut warbler that I got. But even the Georgia lifers are getting a little bit harder to find. And so I also bird Fulton County and DeKalb County a lot looking for the DeKalb County lifer. So this Connecticut warbler today was not only a Georgia life bird, but a DeKalb County life bird as well. Yeah. Now, uh, you usually take people out on birding trips, uh, but uh, that's not happening right now because of concerns about social distance and such. Tell what you're doing instead. Sure, sure. And I'll cut in. We just had two morning doves fly over, which they did vocalize a little bit. Um, that one's easy. To yeah, recognize. that one is a little bit, even though people do confuse that quite a bit for, for an owl. Um, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, so at Atlanta Audubon, we do a bunch of different birding walks from volunteer led or staff led birding trips. Just, you know, we do over a hundred of those uh, each day or uh, throughout the year, excuse me. But yeah, during springtime in particular, we do an, an Atlanta bird fest and I typically lead people down to the coast 
uh, for a bird birding trip down there. So we do a little bit of everything, but of course right now we're not encouraging people to get together and being close groups to look at birds. And so we've started to offer a lot of virtual content, including free, of course free, uh, bird watching uh, field trips each Friday morning at nine. And so myself and some other my colleagues and volunteers uh, and members of ours are getting together on Facebook Live via Zoom and we're just telling people what we're hearing and seeing and trying to engage as many people as we can. And so you'll do another one of those tomorrow morning and you'll do it at the uh, Constitution Lakes uh, area? Yeah, that's where I'm heading. Uh, a few of our other staff will be out and about. I'm not sure where they are going. One of them is holed up in Athens right now, so he'll probably be over there. Another colleague who normally does it with me is down in Peachtree City, but I plan to go to Constitution Lakes. It's an exciting place to bird watch. It's a place I wanted to highlight uh, to the people who are paying attention. And there's a special bird there called a yellow crowned night heron, which breeds in Metro Atlanta, but it's not numerous. It's around in little pockets and Constitution Lakes is one of the great spots to find it. And I hope to not only find that bird, but show people uh, by doing something called digiscoping, where you hold up your cell phone to a spotting scope. And so I'm hoping I can, you know, during Facebook Live, I can show people through my scope, through my cell phone, uh, those birds. At least that's my, my dream. So now you uh, started at age 16, so you were kind of an unusual 16 year old. You know, yes and no. Um, I, I considered myself relatively popular at the time. I, I played sports. I was the captain of the soccer team. I was pretty active, but I always loved nature. You're saying you were not a nerd. I, I was a little bit of both. I, I think I was a, maybe a well-adjusted nerd or, or, you know, I, I'm not sure, but, but I was abnormal in that uh, I was a bird watcher. I got into it and really dove deep. I had very great and supportive friends in, in high school and in college. No one ostracized me too much for being a, a bird nerd. Um, but yeah, you, I've learned more and more of people who got into birding at, at my age or even younger. And there seems to be two camps where either they had a really nice core of other young people that they birded with and they got really tight or someone who was all by themselves doing it. And I was definitely more uh, solo birding. Um, but I had some some mentors and especially when I got to college, I made friends with a lot of grad students and really got into it. But And did you grow up in Atlanta? No, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Uh -huh. um, and I got into birding, like I said, at 16 through a great program uh, in our public school system in Columbus, where I was able to take a class at Ohio State and one credit hour class. And at that point, I just loved wildlife. And I didn't really knew what ornithology was or ichthyology or these other classes but just thought hey you know birds sound pretty cool they sound better than fish and insects and so i signed up and got accepted and wrote a grant with my guidance counselor which covered my one credit hour class and 10 days later i got an a and was just hooked on birds and never looked back and you're also a wildlife biologist yes so again from that class i then was able to get a position with that same professor when i started at ohio state a few years later where I met those grad students and learned about field research. And I just love loved that. I love being out in the woods. I love counting birds. I love nest searching, doing all sorts of research. So from my college career, I did some summer jobs studying birds in the Southeast and in South America. I spent a few years working in Florida doing marsh bird research. And then I went to graduate school in Indiana uh, studying the white-throated sparrow. You've got some uh, bird calls that we all must have heard at one time or another, but didn't know what they were. Uh, show us, first of all, how you're going to play them and then tell us who and what they are. Yeah, I have a few apps on my phone um, that I utilize to 
teach people about bird calls or to refresh my own memory when I'm out and about. And there's many great varieties out there. And there's also ways to record bird sound with your cell phone, which I do frequently, but the quality normally isn't quite as good as what I'm gonna play for you today. So one of the birds that we're lucky enough to hear pretty frequently here in Atlanta, and mainly because of our great tree canopy that we have, uh, is the barred owl. And so I'm gonna try to play their kind of generic stereotypic call that we hear. I think it'll do a repeat here. So the barred owl, some people say that sounds like who cooks for you. It doesn't sound like who, who cooks, cooks for, for you. you all. That's what some people say. Um, but yeah, you know, they are relatively uh, receptive or not too put off by development by people. And again, we have such a great tree canopy here in Atlanta. Um, another reason to protect it is for these barred owls, because if you do live just a small patch of woods, you're likely to hear it. Again, we're in an apartment complex on Beaufort Highway, and I've had them here. So they do come in and that's one of the calls that they that they do give. They, they kind of also make a noise um, that sounds a bit like two monkeys kind of really going at it. Um, so they have some weird noises, but that's kind of the basic call that you will hear a lot. And so if you think you're hearing or seeing an owl in Atlanta, 95% chance it's a barred owl. We do have great horned owls and then less commonly we do have screech owls. They make different vocalizations. Um, so the barred owl is really our most common one. Now, another bird that we hear a lot that people mistake for owls is the morning dove. Just a real soft kind of cooing. You know, that's morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, not morning as in the morning of the day. So it's kind of this sad longing call. You'll hear that a lot. You know, both the barred owl and our morning dove are year-round residents here in Atlanta and Georgia. They don't migrate. So they could be vocalizing at any time of the year. However, springtime, March through May or June, you're gonna hear a lot more uh, of those calls. Another bird that I wanna play for you that kind of has one of those mnemonics that's well played out is the Eastern Toey. Now the Eastern Toey is a sparrow. It's a bird that likes to be low, typically on the ground. They kick up leaf litter and pine straw. The males are a jet black and a burnt orange color and the females have kind of a milk chocolate brown where the males have black. And their song, some people say, sounds like drink your tea. So it works for some people, not for others. I think that one's pretty good, the drink your tea. Um, it's, it's a pretty common sound that you can hear again anywhere in Atlanta, no matter how small your yard, you could have that. They do better if you have bushes or some sort of understory cover. They're not gonna be out in the middle of the open too often. If they do kind of pop out on your lawn, they then might dive back into a bush or something like that. So that's a, a common one. Another bird I could think of as we're talking here is the Eastern Phoebe. If you have a bird nesting underneath your, you know, on your porch or any sort of ledge of your house, if you have a bird that you've heard of, hey, you know, grandma said this bird came and landed on her shoulder. She might not be crazy. It might be the Eastern Phoebe. They're very, uh, I don't know, very bold. inquisitive and bold. They like to hang out with people. The Phoebe bobs its tail a lot. So it's kind of a dark gray bird, a yellowy underside, not too bright. And they're almost always flicking their tail, which is a really helpful identification uh, tool. And they say their name. Again, they're the Eastern Phoebe. And they say Phoebe. 
kind of like a Phoebe or Fieber <laughs> is the second note. So that again, that's a bird that is here year round. They're the only fly catcher. So their name indicates they like to eat flies. Fly catchers tend to perch on an exposed branch or limb. They sally out, they fly out, grab a bug, land at the same perch, and then they'll, they'll take it down. But that's when it says their name. There are many other birds that we have here um, in, in Atlanta and throughout Georgia that like to say their name, which really helps when you're starting to think about bird calls. One of maybe the most famous ones here, if I can play the right recording, is the Carolina chickadee. So if you can imagine that saying chickadee dee 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 dee. And so if, if, if you're a transplant from up, from up north, we have black capped chickadees and uh, kind of from the upper Midwest throughout New England, uh, the Carolina chickadees down here in the Southeast. And then once you head out West, there are many other mountain chickadees and chestnut back chickadees and other varieties, but they say their name. And there are others, uh, the Eastern wood peewee. You're gonna find those mainly in pine stands. They're in Metro Atlanta, but they tend to be more numerous once you get out and they kind of say a peewee. So they're kind of the more rural uh, equivalent of the Phoebe, which is gonna be in town. That was not a recording, that was a song sparrow, a bird that we heard behind us, another common breeding bird. No good mnemonic for them. They kind of have a few clean whistles and then a little jumbled trill at the end. Um, what's the uh, what's the bird that goes Theodore, Theodore, Theodore? It could be, I'm guessing it, it could be a Carolina wren, which some people also say sounds like tea kettle, tea kettle, tea kettle. Let me see if I'll play that, if that's what you're thinking of. And I've, um, you know, I had people swear by some of these. It's definitely the best. You know, I, I hear it clearly. And other people who are completely thrown off by it and, and don't hear it at all. And so let's see if this is what you're thinking of. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> well, that's the Carolina Wren, regardless of my predictive abilities were right or not but some people say it sounds like tea kettle tea kettle tea kettle tea kettle yeah that one sounds more like tea kettle yeah. than theodore and that's another very common bird that you'll have um you know anywhere around around atlanta I'm trying to think if there are some other good examples there's one here let me see if i can play that i think sounds great and i've had many people on field trips with me say that i'm crazy the american goldfinch is a bird that we have here year round in atlanta it, they're a bit confusing because they're that beautiful highlighter yellow this time of year, the males are. And then the females become a much, they're much more like a butter yellow and the males lose that bright color uh, the second half of the year when it's winter time. So people are always confused, well, where'd my goldfinches go? And they didn't go anywhere, they just changed, changed their appearance. But when they fly, to me, it sounds like they're saying potato chip. So let me see if I can <laughs> find the right audio recording here so I'm not uh, giving you the wrong ones here. These apps are great. Some of them only have one or two uh, varieties for a bird and some like this one have 10. So my chances of guessing right might be wrong. To me, it sounds like potato chip. <laughs> it might be a stretch. It sounds good to me. Someone mentioned it to me one day when we were birding years ago and it stuck with me. And uh, when I mentioned it again to my you know, field trip uh, goers, some people hear it and some people absolutely don't, yeah. Well, this is uh, uh, this has been a pleasure. I appreciate you uh, taking this time yeah. with me. There's nothing normal about our new normal, but AJC.com is the same trusted source you've always had. 
and we have just as much great content, if not more. That's why each week I'll highlight my personal picks for the best things to do, see, and experience. And the stories are easy to find on AJC.com. More and more businesses and attractions are starting to reopen as restrictions have been loosened. Among the latest to announce plans are the High Museum of Art and the Trap Museum. Find out more about the plans for these two attractions and more at AJC.com reopen, where we're keeping up with all the latest reopening news. It's no secret that many arts organizations are struggling to stay alive during the pandemic, with no way to stage shows, performances, and exhibits except in digital spaces. The Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta has pitched in to help with $580,000 in grants from its Metropolitan Atlanta Arts Fund. Find out more about the grants and which organizations will receive them in Bo Emerson's story at AJC.com. In the early 80s, arcade games were all the rage, and one of the biggest was Pac-Man. And in 1982, two Atlantans capitalized on that craze with the novelty hit Pac-Man Fever. Buckner and Garcia were jingle writers who hit on a timely idea and took it into the top 10 on the Billboard pop charts. A recent live stream got some of the surviving musicians together to celebrate the game's 40th anniversary. And Rodney Ho spoke with Jerry Buckner about the song, its impact, and what he's been doing since then. Check it out on the Radio and TV Talk blog at AJC.com. And see what local musicians are doing while they're unable to perform in front of live audiences. Melissa Ruggieri's Mic Check series catches up with Georgia musicians to see how they're spending their time these days. Among the recent artists she's talked with are Future Birds and Larkin Poe. Coming up next, CeeLo Green. And don't forget to keep up with the latest on restaurant reopenings and reviews of takeout and curbside dining at the Atlanta Restaurant Scene blog. You'll find all of this and more at AJC.com. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felician. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.